Thanks for listening to the Castleview Baptist Podcast. It's our mission to lead people into a thriving relationship with Jesus. We hope this message from God's Word transforms you, uplifts you, and empowers you to be all that you can be through the grace of Jesus Christ. It is great to be with you this morning, and uh, I wish my wife and daughter could have been here. I have a uh, 20-year-old son, 22-year-old son, and uh, he is down in Texas with his fiancée this week. It was her birthday, so he flew down to be with her, and uh, they just got their apartment, and uh, they're renting it a, a month and a half early because they got such a great deal on it. And so they were FaceTiming us pictures of their apartment, and they're getting married at the beginning of May, looking forward to that. She's a pastor's daughter down there, and uh, I, 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 this is what I say. Like yesterday, I went to college with your pastor and his wife. Now I'm old and fat and gray, but I still have my hair. (laughs) I'm not saying anything about those that don't. I'm just saying I still do. Your pastor and his wife have been such an encouragement to me and my wife and my family. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but... When you all first started this church, um, my brother Jeff at Front Range helped support here, and your pastor and his wife, uh, this church supported us while we went over to the United Kingdom. We were missionaries there and uh, planted a church in Betha, Wales. The word Betha means graves. It's the town of graves. Uh, it was a crosstown between the two largest cities in Wales, and if you got caught committing a crime there, there was so much crime that they just killed you. So it became known as the Bering Town or the Town of Graves, and uh, we were so blessed to be there. Uh, my wife had to have several surgeries, and so we needed to come back to the States, and I'll be honest with you, I did not want to go to the United Kingdom, uh, fought the Lord over going, and surrendered to it. And the Lord took us over there, and I fell in love with it. And I figured out there's no better place to be than in the center of God's will. And then he said, I want you to leave. Guess what I hadn't figured out yet? That there's no better place to be in the center of God's will. I'm like, God, I didn't want to come here. You made me come here. Now I don't want to leave, and you're making me leave. Well, I'd never heard of Las Cruces, New Mexico, and to be honest with you, I was born in the Midwest, Michigan, the Great Lake State, where it rains all the time. Went to Wales, that is exactly like Michigan, but with hills and a lot of sheep, and it rains all the time. And God said, I want you to go to Las Cruces, New Mexico, where 355 days out of the year, there's nothing but stinking sunshine. It's a horrible place. And we loved it. My son said, Dad, I think we're like Moses on the backside of the desert. I said, Son, I think you're right, but what a great place to be. I fell in love with sunshine. Then the Lord said, I want you to go plant another church. And so we were on deputation to plant a church. Our sending church was Front Range Baptist Church. My brother was now my pastor, and we were excited about what the Lord was doing, and we were down in Pensacola, Florida. And the pastor there had announced his retirement. 
I walked out of the church and people started looking at me saying, what about your brother? Do you think he would come here? And I went, well, they've offered it to him before. He won't come. But inside I'm going, he's coming. (laughs) What am I going to do? I got home two weeks later. And the night I got home, my brother called and said, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, nothing. He said, you want to have lunch? I said, sure. I said, is everything okay? He said, everything's fine. I just want to talk to you about something. I said, are we going to be talking about Pensacola? He goes, oh, man. I said, I knew it. And the Lord called him down to be the pastor of the campus church at Pensacola Christian College. And I praise the Lord for that. Then I got the call from the deacons at the church. Would you consider being the interim pastor of Front Range? No, I will not. It was one of those things where I went, oh, Lord, I know this is where you want me. But, Lord, I'm, I'm not ready for this. And he went, you're right, you're not. But I'll be there. Don't worry. They have a wonderful staff there, and God called the right man at the right time to be their pastor. Pastor Dean Miller uh, has been there for all of a month now, and we're excited about what God is doing at Front Range. But that left us with, okay, what do we do next? And I'll be honest with you, uh, I was like, well, we're just going to go plant a church. Well, the place that we were planning on going, God called somebody else there to plant a church. And I went, well... I'm not going where somebody else is going to plant a church. So, Lord, what do you have for us? And he said, wait. We're going to let our daughter finish the school year out at Front Range. And uh, they have continued to fulfill the contract that I signed. So they're paying me not to preach. (laughs) That happens often with me. I tell my wife that I'm now retired. (laughs) She gets angry when I say it. I said, what do you call it when people pay you not to do your job? (laughs) It's retirement. And uh, so we really are praying about the next step for God's will for us. We've looked at uh, possibly planting a church in uh, Miami Beach. (laughs) Telling people you're raising support to plant a church in Miami Beach. People laugh at you when you do that. But it's such a needy area. I don't know if that's what the Lord has for us. We're also looking at taking a semi-established church, possibly in Oregon or uh, in Pensacola. Um, A church has asked us if we would consider coming. It's a church of about 40 people. And at one time, they were running about 3, 350. And uh, just need somebody to come in and love that church. So we would covet your prayers. And one of the things that your pastor often does for me is pick up the phone and just says, hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. And uh, he called me a couple days ago and said, hey, what are you doing this weekend? I'm retired. Uh, He said, are you sitting at home watching TV? Uh, Yes. (laughs) He said, well, I need you to preach for me this weekend. And I'm like, oh, Tate, I'd be happy to. I'll tell you what, uh, your pastor and his wife uh, are dear to us. And uh, they are wonderful prayer partners. And I know when he tells me he's going to be praying for me, I know that he does. And so I'm so appreciative of this church and what you've meant to our family. Uh, Seeing how you've grown and you've bought property and planning on building and all of that uh, does a church planner's heart a lot of good. And so I praise the Lord for you. Why do you suppose that there are close to 100 million church members in America, yet we are not making more of a moral or spiritual impact. 
Why is it that on Sunday mornings, thousands of churches have more empty seats than full? Why is it that on an average Sunday, in Sunday school, in the United States of America, there are less than 66 in attendance, and that the average worship service only has 84? Why is it that only 50% of the number of any church membership role can be expected to attend? Why is it that 65% of teenagers today claim there is no God? Why is it that Christ commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every single person, yet we don't even invite our next-door neighbors? If Christians really believe in a literal heaven and a literal hell, why is it that we are so silent? The answer to these questions is tragically simple. God's people have made a decision about Jesus, but they are not committed to him. If you would, take your Bibles this morning. Turn to Romans chapter 12, and we'll start with verse 1. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Is this my water here? Am I okay to drink it? Will somebody get mad at me if I do? Romans 12.1 says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on the remainder of our service this morning. Lord, we are so thankful that we can meet together this morning. I thank you for this church for their pastor and his family. Lord, what you have done here is nothing short of a miracle. Lord, I pray that you continue to help this church to grow spiritually, numerically, provide for them in wondrous ways as, as you already have. Lord, I pray this morning that you would speak through your word. Would you use me this morning as your instrument? May I say nothing that would be contrary to your word, but that which would build your church this morning. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. That word present is a technical Greek word used for an offering, a sacrifice, or it literally means to yield take my hands off. Lord, I yield my life over to you. This is a voluntary act. Paul does not say here, I command you, brethren, but he says, I beseech you. I beg you. The question for us this morning is, who do you seek to serve? Do you seek to serve men or God? Paul says in the book of Galatians chapter 1, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. This is what he tells us. 
He says, if you are seeking to please men, you cannot be the servant of Christ. You could put yourself into that category. If you're seeking to please yourself, you are a human. Whatever it is that you are seeking to serve, if it is not Jesus Christ, he says this, you cannot be his servant. Cannot is an impossibility. You cannot serve two masters because you will hate the one and you will love the other. Why do you think it is that John tells us not to love the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Spirit, but it's of the devil. He says you can't serve that and be the servant of Jesus Christ. Can not do it. Who is it that you seek to persuade this morning? Who is it that you seek to serve? Self? Others? Are you seeking to please men before God? Is it not strange that we need to be urged to do the very things that we say is our chief business? Suppose a young man answers an advertisement from a rancher. The rancher says, I want you to plow a field and put in crop, take care of my animals, and I will pay you $5,000 a week. Oh, my. That's good money. $20,000 a month do this job. The young man shows up, accepts the offer, and he goes to work. He starts taking care of the animals, plows the field. It's time to plant crops. And as the summer goes along, he starts coming in a little bit later, and a little bit later. The rancher gets so frustrated that he has to ask his family, would you please help keep an eye on our worker? He's not showing up on time. He's not doing the work that we've hired him to do. It gets so bad that the rancher has to hire somebody else just to come in to make sure this young man shows up and does his job. You would say, that's ridiculous. He's getting paid to do a job. He ought to do the job. Or he should be, yep, fired. He should be let go. Why? Because he's not doing the very thing that he says is his chief business. He's making $5,000 a week to do. Say, that's foolish. Yet we say the chief business of a Christian is to honor and glorify God. Their Lord and Savior. The young people that got up to sing this morning did a wonderful job of expressing the message of Jesus Christ. His sacrifice for us this morning. What a sad thing it would be to get up and sing it, to preach it, 
to read about it, but never do it. For the Christian, we say, this is our chief business. Jesus Christ is my all in all. He's everything to me. And then to go out and live like the devil himself. To deny the very work God has called us to. Who is it that we seek to serve? Men or God? Number two this morning, is this a religion or a relationship to you? Again, John, 1 John chapter 1 says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, which our hands have handled, of the word of life, for the life was manifested when we have seen it and bear witness and show it unto you, that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. Truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This is what John says. Listen, I have seen him. I have heard him. I've touched him. I know who he is, and I have a wonderful relationship with him. And I'm writing to you that you may know who he is. That you may have this relationship that your joy may be full because he knows without Jesus Christ, there's no joy. Without this relationship with our creator God, there's no peace. There's no satisfaction. There's no joy. Matthew Henry said this, It will but little avail us to have Christ revealed to us if he is not also revealed in us. Christ has been revealed to us. Is he also revealed in us? Remember that you have been chosen by God. To be his adopted children. And this amazes me. And a joint heir with Jesus Christ. That is an amazing concept to me. Everything that belongs to Christ, the Father says now belongs to us. We are joint heirs with God himself. He didn't just save us. And he could have saved us and said, you'll now be my slaves because you're bought with a price. No, no, no. He says, I want to make you my children and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. What could be better? That the God who holds the world in his palm, who spoke 
the universe into existence. Everything, everything belongs to him. He said, you are now my adopted children. Religion is when Christ is revealed to us, but we strive to please him without the relationship. Religion is man-made. It's man's attempt to get to God. When you talk to so many today in the world, well, there are many paths to God. My response to that is this. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is one of those paths? Well, of course. And I say this, then he was a fool. And they look at me, what do you mean by that? This is Jesus Christ's claim. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If he is one of those ways, why did he die such a horrible death? If there are many paths to God, if you could get to God many different ways, why die then? Why sacrifice yourself? The Son of God who claimed, I and my Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We are the same person. He claimed to be God. Why would God sacrifice himself if there are many paths to God? No, no, no. He is the only way. And because he's the only way, I now don't have to work for it. He said, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't work your way to Jesus Christ. It's all about relationship, not religion. Religion tells you you must do this, 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 and this. And then you can be accepted by God. Jesus said, I'm going to meet you right where you're at. How do we know that? Because he went to the prostitute. He went to the tax collector, the thief. He went, if you will, to the lowest of the low and said, I'm going to meet you right where you're at. And for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Right where you are. And he said, I will make you my child. Let me illustrate it this way. Our oldest, his name is Tell. He was not born with that name. He was born with the name Gorniak. Gorniak Robert Romanovich in the country of Ukraine, in a town called Lviv. We went over to Wales, I'm sorry, we went over to the the Ukraine to adopt a child, and I told my wife, I don't want a boy, I want a girl. They showed us 11 children and said, pick one. how are we supposed to pick one of these children over the others? We were in a country by ourselves, scared, frustrated. I called home and I said, Mom, I think we're just going to come home. 
They've shown us 11 children. They've told us to pick one. We can't pick one. My mom said, have you called? And she named a missionary family that is over in Ukraine. They were members of the church I grew up in from Michigan. I said, Mom, I have not called them. I don't even know where they're at. And she said, they're in a town called Lviv. I said, Lviv? She said, yeah, that's it. I said, Mom, that's where we are. She said, call them. So we called them, and they said, Rob Redlin, what are you doing? I said, well, as a matter of fact, right now, I am in the Ukraine. They said, no. And I said, yes. They said, where are you? I said, we're in Lviv. They said, no. I said, yes. They said, do you know where McDonald's is? I said, no, no. I said, yes. (laughs) I know where McDonald's is. We went down to McDonald's and met with them. We shed tears. They prayed with us welcomed us into their home. The head of the orphanage was not there when we got there. She showed up on Monday, and we walked in, and she said, I think you need to adopt Robert Gorniak. Your name is Rob. His name is Robert. It's meant to be. He started calling us Mama y Dado, Mommy and Daddy. I looked at my wife and I said, I'm not adopting a boy. She said, we're going to break his heart. I have no problem with that. <laughs> and God said, no, 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 no. Would you trust me? I've got a boy picked out for you. This boy. This is what happened. They said, he's available. And we got to the point where this is the one. We want to adopt him. And as soon as we said we want to adopt him, you know what they said? He's not available. I was over at the missionary's house, and they took me to the National Cemetery. Their National Cemetery is nothing like our National Cemetery. There are tombs there that are hundreds and hundreds of years old. As a matter of fact, they're broken, and you can look inside and see bones. So the missionary boys and I went to the National Cemetery, and we're, you know, kind of just scouting around, looking at things, and I get back home, and my wife is gone in a third-world country with our facilitator and a driver that I don't know. And I'm trying to call them and cannot get a hold of them. They were gone all day long. I was panicked. They get in that night, and I'm like, what happened? Where did you go? In order for him to be adopted, we had to go find his birth certificate in the town that he was born in. Now, I I need you to understand, the town that he was born in, in a third world country, was out in the middle of nowhere. His mother gave birth to him. The day she gave birth to him, walked out of the hospital and never saw him again. But she also did not sign off that he could be adopted. My wife got back, said, we found the birth certificate. It it was almost like a miracle, sweetheart. They told us that they could not find it. The facilitator that we had was a Christian. My wife and the facilitator started praying that they would find it. The last place they looked, that's where my son's birth certificate was. 
So we brought it back into the orphanage, said we got the birth certificate. They said, okay, he's available. Okay, we want to move forward. The next day we walked in, they said, we're sorry, he's not available. Now, for us, it was kind of like labor, okay? Now, ladies, I, I know I don't understand what labor is. But what it did is cemented our hearts. We're not leaving this country without our son. We jumped through all the hoops. We had to meet with a judge, and he had to sign off on this. They started speaking in Ukrainian, and I could tell the judge was getting heated. I mean, he is angry. And I'm looking at our facilitator. I'm like, what's going on? He goes, hold on. What's going on? Hold on. What's going on? And he looked at us and said, he's a gypsy. Okay. So what? And he looked at us and said, do you still want him? See, they were hiding the fact that he was a gypsy, thinking that if we knew he was a gypsy, we wouldn't adopt him. The judge found out that they didn't tell us he was a gypsy, so he thought these people will never take him because he's a gypsy. They were so looked upon in such a way that these people were unwanted and unloved. They were the lowest of the low in their society of a poor third world country. You can imagine how bad the life would be. When my son turned 16, they would kick him out of the orphanage and he'd be on his own. At 16. We looked at them and said, of course we want him. He's our son. And the judge smiled. And we smiled. And so everybody in the room smiled. We paid the judge's money. He put on his robes. We took pictures with him. And we walked out with the adoption papers. He became our son. With all the rights and privileges of being a Redland. Now we had to go back to the capital, Kiev. We had to take a train back from Lviv Kiev. It's about a 12-hour train ride on a train that, to be honest with you, you probably wouldn't want to be on. We rented a, a car that had beds in it. We rented the whole car because they could put anybody in there they wanted to. Men, women, it didn't matter to them. We rented the whole car out. Six beds in the car. My wife was on the, one of the lower bunks. I was on the upper bunk, and my son was on the floor right next to my wife. Now, I want you to understand, he has been our son all of a day. In the middle of the night, we came around a curve, and it's an old train, and it started clanking really hard and kind of jerking a little bit. Well, it woke my son up, and my son yells out, Mama! It scared me. I was getting ready to jump down when my wife just took her hand and put it on my son. Said, it's okay. I'm here. Go to sleep. Like that, he was out. You know what my, my son understood? Relationship. He understood the relationship he now had. 
when he got back to the States, we had sold our car to help pay for the adoption. My dad had found us an old station wagon. We had it for about six months, and we sold it, and my son cried. That was his machinka, his car. We had bought him one of those little, uh, you know, toy cars that you drive around. That kid drove the wheels off of that thing. To this day, he loves cars. Everything that we now had, our house, our car, our dog, even the neighbor's dog, was now our son's. You know why? Because he was ours. And all that we had now belonged to him. You get it, don't you? I know it's a long illustration, but it illustrates what we are with Jesus Christ. We are his child. If we're truly going to be committed to our Lord and Savior, we have to understand the relationship. We're his children. You know what he asks in return? For our love, our hearts. Because of the relationship we have with him, if we truly walk with him, if we truly love him, we will do a work for him. If you're not behaving the way a Christian ought to behave, then can I kindly tell you, change your behavior. Do the things that God asks you to do. We will do a work for him because we belong to him. Because we love him. A great illustration of this. I've heard it several times. I don't know if it's true or not. But it comes all the way back to the Roman Empire when Alexander the Great, probably the greatest military mind of all time, The story goes that they were encamped against an enemy. It was raining one night, kind of a miserable night. Alexander got up and put a cloak on with a hood on it and put the hood over his head and he came along some guards and he found one of the guards asleep. If you were on guard and you fell asleep, you could be put to death. Alexander the Great walked over to the guard and woke him up. The guard woke up to looking at a man in a cloak. And Alexander the Great took the hood off. And the young guard looked up and saw it was his commander-in-chief, the great Alexander, now scared that his life was on the line. He stood to attention when Alexander the Great looked at him and said, What is your name? The young guard looked at him and said, My name is Alexander. What is your name? It's Alexander, sir. What is your name? It's Alexander, sir. Alexander the Great looked at him and said, Either change your name or change 
your behavior. And Christian, can I tell you something? You have taken on the name of Jesus Christ. You are a Christian. Act like it. Behave the way a Christian ought to behave. James chapter 2, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But while thou, O vain man, that faith without works is dead, being alone. What are you prepared to do? What has your faith wrought? What has it brought about? If your faith has nothing to it, who does it profit? James is not talking about salvation here. He's talking to the church. Here is the half-brother of Jesus Christ who said, listen, I was raised with him. I know who he is. If you were to look at my two older brothers and say to them, your brother Rob has said he's the Messiah. What say you? (laughs) They would laugh out loud. You want to know why? Because little Robbie Redling got more spankings than all of my brothers and my sister combined. They could tell you without hesitation, there's no way he's the Messiah. He's a sinner. James was able to say, listen, I was raised with him. John was able to say, my hands have handled him. James was able to say, I have a different relationship with him now. I'm now not just his half-brother. I'm his child. And I'm telling you that the relationship is great, but what good is the relationship if it doesn't have anything to it? Faith without works is dead. Being alone. What am I saying to you, church? Commitment. Does the Lord have your all? The question for us this morning is simply this. Can others see the glory of God in And through you, through your testimony this morning, can others say, I've seen them, I have heard them, I've been with them, and I know they're a Christian. I know it because they have lived it out in front of me. Dads, can your children look and say, my dad, is a Christian. And he's the spiritual leader of our home. Moms, can your children look at you and say, my mom has the sweet temperament of the Holy Spirit in our home. Maybe you're a child here today. Can mom and dad look at you and say, my child belongs to Jesus Christ. 
I know it because they have lived it. Christian, can others see the glory of God in and through you? The only way for that to happen is for us to live a life of commitment to our Lord and Savior. Why? Because of the relationship we have with Him. Hallelujah, I'm adopted. I'm a child of the King. Aren't you grateful for what Jesus Christ has done for you? Then let's live it out in our daily walk. Father, I thank you so much for the time that we've had this morning. Lord, I pray that if there'd be one here that does not have that relationship with you, they've never prayed to accept Jesus Christ, or they may have doubts about that. Lord, I pray before they leave here this morning that they'd be 100% sure that they are your child, that they can walk in that new relationship the greatest relationship that man has ever known, a relationship with God Almighty. And Lord, for the Christian here today, there'd be one that would say, I've claimed the title of Christian, but I have not been living it. Lord, I pray that their behavior would change this morning. Thanks again for listening to the Castleview Baptist Podcast. If you've got questions about the message or Castleview Baptist Church, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us through email, check us out on our website, or visit social media for the latest news. Thanks for watching.